You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, good morning, church, and welcome to Amateur Hour. We are, getting, we are getting started and getting to go. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff. I am the lead uh, amateur here at the Vineyard. Excited to be worshiping with all of you. We're, we're starting a series, or we started it last week, that really celebrates the fact that we're always learning, we're always growing, and we're always on this journey together as we follow Christ in the kingdom of God. I want to take a quick moment to welcome everyone on the live stream. We know many of you are tuning in every week, and we're so thankful that you're spending time with us this morning. I want to encourage you to worship with us at home, to engage in the chat, say hello, and of course, during ministry time, feel free to request prayer if you are in need of prayer as well. But thanks for joining us this morning. There's a lot going on at the Vineyard, and so before we begin, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. First, we have a newcomer's dinner that's happening tonight. Natalie and I host these every couple of months. If you're new to the vineyard and you want to get to know other folks who are new to the vineyard, we will feed you. There will be good food. There will be great conversation and an opportunity for you to get connected um, in our church, and we would love for you to join. But because there is a meal, we do need you to register so that we know kind of dietary restrictions, how much food to prep, everything like that. So please Sign up at votrweekly.org. After you do that, we'll uh, reach out to you with addresses and all of those things. And, you know, we have three kids, and so if you have kids, they're welcome as well, and it'll be a great time tonight. I also want to take a moment to pray together this morning because yesterday we sent a missions team to Puerto Rico. They, they woke up at ungodly hours. It was like 3.30 in the morning to hop on the first plane out of here. Um, and they're working with our friends from Convoy of Hope. I'm so thankful for people and organizations like Convoy of Hope that can um, lead us and teach us and serve us as we engage with the world around us in a way that honors God, glorifies Him, and, and truly helps people um, around the globe. We'll talk a lot more about Convoy of Hope, of course, in October when we do our One Day to Feed the World campaign. That'll be coming up in October. But I thought you know, we've got high schoolers, we've got empty nesters, we've got everyone in between. I thought a great way to start our time together this morning would be just to pray for them and ask, God bless, ask God's blessing on their trip. So join me in prayer. God, thank you for uh, everybody who's on that trip. Thank you for the folks who are sacrificing here at a local level, time, energy, and money. Thank you for the, our friends at Convoy of Hope who are leading the way and teaching and equipping and serving us. God, I pray your blessing on this trip. I pray in Jesus' name that everyone on this trip would encounter you, Jesus, have a personal encounter with you in a way that wouldn't happen if they were just rooted in their day-to-day, their week-to-week normal routine. But something unique can happen when we get out of that comfort zone. So would you bless them? Would they encounter you on this trip? And when they come back, Uh, with a heart that is even more oriented towards the kingdom of God than it was before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, last week we kicked off a new series called Amateur Hour, and it has been and will continue to be a celebration of our failures, our successes, and most importantly, the journey that we are all on 
as we follow Christ. You know, some of us are new to following Jesus. We're uh, brand new, perhaps. We've never read the Bible. We've just made a decision to follow Christ. Others are here just exploring the faith, and you're not sure what to think about Christianity yet. And still others in this room and online, they've been following Christ your entire life, and it's been decades of following Christ. But no matter where you're at on the journey, we are all still a bunch of beginners in the kingdom of God. I shared a Thomas Merton quote last Sunday describing how much that American church really hates being beginners, but in reality, we're always interns in the kingdom of God until the day that we die, and that should be celebrated. It is 100% okay. Last week, Bristow shared his awesome story about being an amateur evangelist. And we looked at 2 Timothy um, and Paul's words to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist and to never be ashamed of sharing your faith and standing up for Christ in your life. This week, we're continuing the series in another topic that many of us stumble our way forward in in the most kind of amateur way possible. Today's message is titled Amateur Theologian. Amateur Theologian. We're all called to be amateur theologians. And just that nature of the word theology or theologian, it starts to make you think of really high-minded things that you have to always have the right answers, that you have to be super smart or somehow an expert in what you're talking about. But quite simply, theology is only the study of God. That's what it means. And so if you're a follower of Christ, or even if you're just interested in Christ and you're exploring who he is, technically you are doing the work of a theologian and you don't even know it. I'm going to tell my kids all of the time that they're little theologians, they're budding theologians, and every time we get together in our hallway before bed, we have a patented little holy hallway huddle is what we call it. We get together and we read scripture and we pray and we have theological conversations. And I'm telling you, they go in a hundred different directions and most of them you wouldn't want to repeat out loud, but they're pleasing to God. Because they were still talking about who God is, why Christ came, how he wants to engage with us today. We're having theological conversations. And besides, the, the key word in today's title isn't theologian anyway. It's amateur. Amateur is the key word in what we're talking about. No one's expecting you to be an expert theologian. You're not here and part of the vineyard, and we don't expect you to be like the next C.S. Lewis or A.W. Tozer, Calvin, or, or Luther, or anything like that, but we are called to study the scriptures. We're, we're called to grow in our knowledge of God, and we're consistently invited to begin understanding how the kingdom works, both in our lives and in the world around us. We're all called to be amateur theologians, every one of us. And just so you know that when I say amateur, I really mean amateur, I am willing this morning to disclose some of my own academic accolades to you as we begin. If you're like me, I don't know if you are, I'm kind of like, I've always been kind of type A, performance oriented, I want to always have my ducks in a row, and so when things don't happen, I remember them, and I remember to this day the worst grade I ever got in my entire life. It's freshman year of college undergraduate work. I got a C plus. It still kind of bothers me today. But even worse than the grade was the class that I took. It was New Testament Christianity. (laughs) Worst grade I ever got in my entire life. Little did I know that I was eventually going to become 
a pastor, and I'm super thankful, right, for like post-grad work where you can actually like take your learning a little bit more seriously and really put yourself out there and study theology like you mean it. But the worst grade I ever got was in New Testament Christianity. So I wasn't intending to brag to you about how amazing I've done in my theological classes, but there you have it. I know a thing or two about being an amateur theologian. If you uh, weren't here with us last week, all of our scripture for this series is going to come from 1st and 2nd Timothy. 1st and 2nd Timothy, they're great books for a series like this because you do kind of have an expert church planter and missionary in Paul who's writing these letters to an emerging leader or a budding leader, an amateur at that, named Timothy. And Timothy, like many of us, struggled with all kinds of things. To name a few, he struggled with fear, he struggled with timidity, and his having his identity in Christ always secured. And so Paul would write to him and encourage him to stay the course. To not let anybody put him down because he was young or, or youthful or maybe didn't have all of the answers, but to stay strong in the Lord. And these ancient scriptures that we have from Paul to Timothy, they still apply to us today. This morning, I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this, kind, and this chapter, it's, it's kind of broken into two large rocks, just so you know on the front end. The first half of 2 Timothy 3 is mostly about problems. And the second half of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is mostly about answers. The first half is problems they faced 2,000 years ago. And I think as I read it out loud, you'll recognize they're problems we still face today. And the second half is an answer or an antidote to all these problems that Paul lists out. And the answer is as timeless as the scriptures themselves. So here's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5, they will act religious but reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that, Paul writes. And if you didn't notice, it's kind of a laundry list of issues, right? I mean, he's kind of piling it on and presenting Timothy with all these issues that he's facing and that, quite frankly, we're all still facing today. But here's what I love about 2 Timothy 3. Here's what I love about this scripture. Paul doesn't just list out all the problems to like depress Timothy and make him feel like a lousy leader. No, Paul lists all of them out. And then like a good leader himself, he moves on to solutions, he says, here, here are the issues that you're facing. Here are the issues that we're facing today. Now let's move on to the solution. I want to show you the antidote to some of these issues. And in the second half of this chapter, Paul gives a great way to respond. And inside the second half of the scripture, you see that we're invited to be amateur theologians ourselves. So let's pick up chapter 3, verse 14. This is how Paul finishes the chapter. But you, Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. 
You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, just take a pause here with me for just a quick second, because I want to talk to the parents for just a, a minute. Parents, Timothy, if you remember last week, he was taught his faith by his mom and his grandma. And here Paul is drawing this out again. And may it apply to each and every one of us. Parents, read the scriptures to your children. Read the scriptures to your children. It's never too late to start. But the earlier you start, the better it will be. Grandparents, when the grandkids come over, help your grandchildren fall in love with scripture. Pass down your faith to the next generation. I promise you, the world is going to do everything that it can to influence your children and influence your family. May we be a church that helps parents and helps grandparents to bring along the next generation in their faith, to help our kids fall in love with scripture. Listen, there's not a pediatrician that Natalie and I didn't go to that didn't tell us to read to our kids. They all say it how important it is to brain development and all kinds of, of things all around language and everything to read to your kids. There's not a, a, there's not a parenting book that we didn't read that said the importance of reading to your children. And so what we did was we just went out and we bought like all the kids' Bibles that we could find. The ones with pictures, the ones with stories, the ones that focused on Jesus Christ. And we read scriptures out loud to our kids from the moment they were born. And like I said, if you've missed a couple years or anything like that, it's never too late to start, but help your children fall in love with Scripture. End rant. A little off topic, but it's important. And listen, if you don't have kids, find a kid. Seriously. We got a bunch of them back there that would love for you to read them Scripture. If you don't have kids, find a kid. All right, back to verse 16. Paul continues, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture, all scripture, underline it if you need to. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17. These last two verses are what really elevates the value of Scripture for the Christian. I want to read it again, and if you have a Bible with you, you've got a pen, I want you to just like underline every time we run across the word it. Or if you've got a phone and you can highlight it, just tap on that word it, because you can replace it with Scripture. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. He's reinforcing the value of Scripture time and time again. So let's read verse 16 again, replacing it with Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Scripture corrects us when we are wrong, and Scripture teaches us what to do, or teaches us to do what is right. God uses Scripture to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. This is such a good and valuable and important passage for us as amateur theologians. If you want to know what is true, if you're willing to be corrected, if you want to be prepared and equipped and empowered for all of God's work that he has for you, 
2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 says to us that Scripture has got to be a high priority in our lives. It teaches and corrects, prepares, and empowers the follower of Christ. I think that this might be the most important message in this whole series, maybe the most important message for some of us all year long. And the reason why I think it's so important for us at this time and this day and age is because what I'm beginning to notice, actually what I think we've probably all been noticing for quite some time, is a consistent devaluation of Scripture in the culture around us. And if I can be direct for a moment, the devaluation of Scripture in the world around us has worked its way into the church. And it's worked its way into some of our own lives, the valuation of Scripture, if I can say this with a lot of love and with a lot of kindness, some of us really struggle with a, a, fair amount of, a fair amount of arrested development when it comes to our spiritual lives. And I wonder how much of it has to do with, with how we prioritize Scripture in our walk with Jesus. I say it because I'm challenged by God to to help you and assist you and equip you and encourage you on this journey, to help you be transformed into the image of Jesus as much as you can. And these words from Christ, the ones inspired by God to us, they're the key to, to wrangling down this arrested development and walking a life of development and growth with Jesus. Scripture is saying to us this morning, that our hunger and thirst for Scripture is super important to our ongoing development. But like Paul, <clears throat> I don't need to just belabor the problems all morning. We can talk about the solutions. We can talk about ways to capture this hunger and thirst and have it awakened in our own lives. So let's talk about some of the solutions. I'm going to share three solutions this morning, solutions that have helped me an incredible amount of, uh, of, in an incredible amount of ways, and they've helped many others over the years as well. I'm going to start with things that are very personal about your own walk with Christ, and we'll slowly expand from there. And I just know, I know that if you take one, two, or some combination of all three of these things and you actually put them in your life, that in one year's time, we'll be having a different conversation about who you are becoming in Christ because of, of how these things play a part in your own discipleship. And on the front end, I should say on the front end, they all have to do with food. And it's not because I was hungry when I wrote this sermon or I'm hungry. It's because that sometimes in scripture, we are told to eat the scroll, or consume the word of God, or be hungry for the things of Christ. And so first and foremost, let's jump into it. If you want to be an amateur theologian, first and foremost, you need to learn to feed yourself. You have to learn to feed yourself. Remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says that all of scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful for correcting and teaching and preparing and equipping us for the good works that God has prepared for us. And, and so if that is true, then we need to elevate the value of Scripture in our life and we need to learn to feed ourselves because His Word will teach and correct and prepare and equip us for works and deeds that God's already prepared for us to step into. But there's part of our life with God that has to be informed by His words. They teach us how to step in to these different works. And listen, I, I, I give you my word. I stand before you. It's recorded. It's being broadcast to, to whoever is watching and my mom. Um, 
I commit to you that when you come on Sunday, I will preach the scriptures. And I won't stray from the word of God. I'll prepare messages that challenge you and encourage you and empower you and release you to do significant things in the kingdom. But nobody would say that one meal is enough so that you can thrive spiritually with Jesus. One meal a week will never be enough for you to spiritually thrive with the Lord. You have to learn to feed yourself. And over the course of the last few years, I've talked to a lot of believers that when we start talking about their daily devotion or their, their commitment to read the word of God, shame comes with that conversation. And usually shame comes with that conversation because of one or two types of things. On one hand, sometimes shame will follow that conversation because they know they need to read the Bible, for, but for whatever reasons, they just haven't been able to prioritize it in their life and make it a central and lasting habit in their life. And then shame comes in and says, I should have done this, or I'm not doing enough, or what about this? And the shame just keeps coming and coming and coming. At the same time, sometimes the shame voice will come when they just compare where they're currently at with Christ to a former season that they've had with him. You're like, right now, I have three kids all under the age of 10. It's a little harder to have quiet time in my house right now. When Natalie and I were married and we didn't have kids, we could just sit down. We had to like figure out how to talk to each other because there was any other noise in the apartment or in the house. Now we've got three kids. We're running all over the place. We have to reprioritize in a different way. But if we just compare our current life to what it was like when we were 22 with like hardly any responsibilities at all, it was a different season. And, and if you're not comparing to where you're at now, to where you, you were maybe five, 10 years ago, or even just a week ago, then oftentimes we'll compare to other people. And so we can say things like, and I, I pastor people who are like, well, I, I read the Bible this much, but it's nothing compared to that person. That voice isn't from the Lord. That's a voice that we have in our head that's been kind of created and cultivated over the years. And that shame voice will impact how you just engage honestly and naturally, even as an amateur with the Lord. We have to begin to mute those voices and ask for God's help to silence those voices so that we can just approach him as amateurs. Seasons change, and turns out people do too. And so you just take care of yourself and feed yourself. Don't worry about the rest of the details. They will be taken care of. If you need help, I put one of my favorite Bible reading apps in the sermon notes at VOTR Weekly, and I would encourage you to download it. It's called The Bible Project, and it is a fantastic app for reading Scripture. I personally love it because as you're reading Scripture, if you come to a new book of the Bible, they'll, come, uh, they'll pop up a video that's about five to eight minutes long, depending on how big the book of the Bible is. And it just through a great dialogue and artistic expression, they're going to explain to you the big picture about what you're about to read. And it helps with comprehension so much. It helps with understanding so much because as you go in to read chapter by chapter or verse by verse, you have the big picture in mind. And it has been so helpful. And then they have all kinds of other videos that you can watch on that app as well. The kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, sin, life, death, heaven, all kinds of videos and topics that you can watch. Let me highly, highly recommend the Bible Project. Check it out, download it. If you don't, it's okay. Like, you don't have to. What, find something that works for you. 
Find something that works for you, but just try as best as you can to stay committed to feeding yourself. Okay, number two, we need to eat together. We need to eat together. I told you they're all food related, right? We're going to push this right to lunch, so You need to eat together. For 2,000 years, people have been gathering for worship together, and the preaching of God's word has always been included in that. And I know COVID complicated it for, for some, but Scripture makes it abundantly clear that gathering together and hearing the word of God is still vital to our faith. And I'll be the first to tell you that although Sundays are great, I am uniquely and keenly aware that Sundays will not be enough. I've already mentioned that. And so this is why we always encourage people to get into groups, to get into small groups, to get into community groups, because something, although something unique happens like in this shared space, something also happens in a unique kind of way when you're in circles and not in rows. And you can commit to a a longer-term relationship where you can dig a little bit deeper and you can unpack God's word together and you can share prayer requests and really grow with one another. Sundays are great, but something unique happens in smaller groups. We've got a ton of amazing groups that you can sign up for. Small group launches well underway, and many of them are starting right after Labor Day. And so you're going to want to look and sign up. You can find it all at votrweekly.org. These groups are here for you. They're here to help you get connected, to find community, to grow in your understanding and be equipped. And I can tell you they were started by people who want spiritual friendships just like most of us. And they want to study together and they want to eat the word together. Specifically, if you want to grow in being an amateur theologian, then I want to highlight one of these groups in particular. I'm launching a group this fall called the Manuscript Study, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. If you were ever on campus, they kind of made this famous, and we're going to plant it here on Monday nights, where we're going to be studying the scriptures together in what I call an inductive style or an inductive approach, where you take it line by line and word by word. You first observe the text in the original context, interpret it in the original context, and then apply it to your life today. Natalie and I have studied the Bible this way since college, and it has changed our lives. And so if you want to be an amateur theologian, then consider joining that group or join any group, because there's nothing better than amateurs leading amateurs. This is how it works in the vineyard. We're all on a journey together, amateurs leading amateurs. Last week, I told you that part of this series, we were always going to interview kind of like a professional Christian, someone who actually gets paid to do the things that we're talking about. Last week, Bristow shared about how he tried to share his faith and failed miserably and then blamed it on another church. You might remember. Um, I thought that was hilarious. Um, not something that I'm encouraging you to do, but you know, it was, it was a good story. This week, Corey Schunig is going to share about how she is an amateur theologian. And so let's invite Corey up on stage. She's our youth leader, pastoral resident, and very much an amateur theologian. Now, Corey, just a confession before we begin. It's just so that we're all on the same page. Last week, I, I really encouraged everyone to point their hand at Bristow when he was done and shout in unison, you are such an amateur, and kind of chuckle at him. And I don't know if it's because it's easier to laugh at Bristow than you, or if it's because you're pregnant, or I, like, I feel like we're going to tone it down just a little bit for you. And maybe I'll just put my arm around you, and we can just kind of say in unison, you're such an amateur, Corey. Um, but... 
you look out there, and if somebody raises their hand at you, you'll know who you can talk to you after the service. Anyway, tell us the story about how you are such an amateur theologian. Okay, yes. My name is Corey Page, and I am an amateur theologian. Um, for years, I have discipled young women and teenagers, um, and usually our discipleship time together involves like reading a book of the Bible together. And I'll tell them, go home, like do your reading of the Bible, come back with questions, and we'll talk about it. And I just want to say, if any of you were to flip through my Bible, you would see that it's covered in post-it notes. And those aren't like brilliant ideas I've had or even prayers or things like notes I've written down. Every single one of those post-it notes is a question that I've come across in the Bible as I've, as I've been reading. And when I have a question, I'll typically have meetings with Jeff and I'll go and I'll ask Jeff my questions. So I get together with these disciples and there's sometimes they come and they have a question and I have the answer. There's also a lot of times they come with a question and I go, yeah, I don't, I don't know that one. <laughs> so I add it to a post-it note in my Bible, and I so stick it there. So your post-it notes are other people's questions, and mixed in with Mixed in questions. with my question. And sometimes they ask me a question, I go, yeah, I actually already have that question written down on a post-it note. I don't know the answer to your question. <laughs> I have the same one. Um, so I'll, t I'll write it down on a post-it note, and I say, I'm going to go study this, because I don't know the answer to this question, and I'm going to go ask the person I ask my questions to about your question. So... Wait, so I feel like this is an appropriate time for a little confession. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I said, hey, that's a really good question. We're going to talk about that next week. Yeah. That's because <laughs> I didn't know the answer, and I had to go make sure. So sometimes these I, questions get three people. It's the blind leading the blind yeah. here. <laughs> so, you know, then I'll go back and be like, here's what I found out about your question. Um, but, yeah, sometimes these questions go, like, three people deep because we just we're all stumped on just the question. Um, but I still commit, I'm going to commit to study it. I'm going to go figure out the answer and I'll come back and we'll talk about it. Um, so personal discipleship. And then I also lead small groups, whether that's topical or Bible study small groups. And same thing. I don't know all the answers to the questions that get asked. Wait, you there can either. be a leader and not know all of the, the answers. Yes. You can yeah. be a leader and not know all of the answers. I right, don't to... <laughs> know most answers, but I'm committed to keep discipling and keep leading. So, um, yeah, that being said, if you're a young adult woman, you can lead my, I mean, join my small group. This, nice little plug. Nice little this plug fall. There. Amateur. You, you, if you, you want to be just, led by an amateur, join coffee. my small group. Yeah, yeah just drinking yeah. coffee and wondering about all these questions that you have. Yeah, we can all just wander and learn together, yeah. and it'll be great. Oh, that's so good. Corey, yeah. I'm so happy that you are leading despite the fact that you don't have all the answers. And I love that you will hear the questions, you'll go and research them, and when you can't find them out, you'll ask others. Um, and I apologize for those times that I always delay our meetiness because I haven't found the answer yet. <laughs> Join me in celebrating Corey. Corey, you are such an amateur. I am. I'm an amateur. <laughs> Three things to help you become an amateur theologian. You need to feed yourself you need to eat together, and finally, you need to feed others. You need to feed others. One of the best ways to equip yourself with the Word of God is to teach others the Word of God. I already mentioned that if you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt or a friend who knows kids, but you're going to want to be careful, I guess, as I say that. You know, you're going to want to get the parent's permission first to grab some random kid and start teaching them the Bible. It could get really weird for you. But if you call this church your home, 
If you call this church your home and you've been looking for somewhere to serve and God's been placing it on your heart and you've been wondering what to do, then I want to be the first to tell you, sign up for kids or youth and just give it a go. Just give kids ministry or give youth ministry a go. Feeding others is so helpful because you learn in a different kind of way when you have to teach. And if you want to sharpen your own understanding of scripture, if you want to be equipped and prepared and corrected and released for ministry, then consider feeding others. You don't need to be an expert theologian to lead kids or youth ministry. We'll go with holiness and character and love before expert understanding every time. You don't need to be an expert to lead a small group. Corey just shared her own story. We will go with holiness and character and love over expert understanding every time. We are amateurs who accept amateurs. And God might be calling you to join one of these ministry teams. I don't know what might happen if you sign up. But I do know this, that every year, kids and youth get baptized because they've made a personal decision for Christ. And who knows that you signing up for one of these ministries, you might be the person that unlocks the gospel for one of these teenagers or unlocks the gospel for one of these preteens or unlocks the gospel for one of these first, second, or third graders. And you walk them through becoming a follower of Christ. You lead them to getting baptized. And who knows that you might get invited to a high school graduation or a college graduation as their number one spiritual influence in their life. If God is inviting you to understand scriptures and to grow in valuing the word of God, then let me encourage you to sign up to feed others, to feed others. Today, in this passage in 2 Timothy, it's, just a, it's a huge opportunity for every single one of us in this room, everyone online, to reevaluate how much we love and how much we cherish scripture. We need to trust that God will use Scripture to teach, empower, and equip us, even if you don't have an aha moment every time you thumb these pages. Very rarely does it happen every single time I open the Word of God. It's the consistent drip, drip, drip of going to the Word of God that makes it come alive. But if you do any of these things, or some kind of combination of feeding yourself, eating together, and feeding others, by this time next year, you will be a different disciple because of how God shapes you and sharpens you in the word of God. So as I close, consider Charles Spurgeon, the theologian from the 19th century, his words. When he said, nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. If you're a beginner and you've never read the book, the ocean is ready for you. Jump in. And if you've read this book a hundred times, then you probably already know that Charles Spurgeon's words are so true. It doesn't, you don't graduate from Scripture. But as you approach it the second or the third or the fourth or the hundredth time, it widens and it deepens with you. So keep growing with Christ and allow the inspired words of God to guide you every step of the way. Let's pray.